the Bandroom Podcast is proudly supported by Kaleidoscope Adventures. Kaleidoscope Adventures is a full-service student trip planner with more than 26 years of inspiring student travel. Dylan and I have had positive experiences on school music trips, so we both know how much these meaningful opportunities contribute to students' musical development and create lasting memories. Kaleidoscope Adventures specializes in organizing unique trips to over 40 student-friendly destinations. If you're planning a student trip, you can count on the Kaleidoscope Adventures professionals to collaborate with you to organize the perfect education or performance tour. When you're ready to plan your next adventure, visit KaleidoscopeAdventures.com. That's KaleidoscopeAdventures.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Bandroom Podcast. My name is still Dylan Maddox. And I'm Kate Nishimura. Still. <laughs> still, yeah. Still hasn't changed. Hasn't changed. Middle name's still Rook. Um, and we're good to go. Kate, how are you doing this fine Saturday morning? I'm just fine, Dylan. How about you? I'm all caffeinated, ready to go. We've got a new espresso maker. Very exciting. I'm loving it. Yep. I brought it with me to the... Band room Did you really? Here. Yeah. Oh, not the espresso machine. Oh. Sorry. I brought the espresso. <laughs> Can you imagine me on my little electric bike with the espresso machine? Well, yeah. I was. Bling, I was bling, trying bling, bling. to. I was picturing it, and then I was picturing how, like you having it beside you, and like throughout the episode, no. just being like, "I need another one." You know. <laughs> Do you prepared. mind? I need to tamper. Sorry. Can you guys? Can you hold your thought? I am very Uh, envious of your espresso maker just like in general though that's that's something that is on my wish list for sure it's uh it's goodbye uh we're not sponsored by target but I bought it at target (laughs) I previously owned like a nicer one Mm -hmm. um but those of the those of you that know me know I am a a man of simple means and it was taking far too long to make a single cup of anything (laughs) so I got rid of it but as my tastes fancified (laughs) With age, of course, I th- I thought I need to get a machine again. Mm-hmm. So um, my lovely wife purchased a machine, and uh, we're just we're constantly drinking from it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, there's so much to talk about today. Mm-hmm. One thing I want to talk about is um, every week y'all listen to the podcast, and now at nowadays it usually starts with an ad from Kaleidoscope Adventures. Mm-hmm. One of our sponsors. Check them out. Um, but then followed by that is a wonderful piece of music. And you only hear seconds of it. You can go hear mo- the majority of it if you go to the, this composer's website. But that is E.K.R. Hamill's Skyline. Every single week you hear it in the intro and our outro as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, performed by the University of Toronto Wind Ensemble under the direction of Julian McKay. Um, and it's fine performance. Great piece. And I want to tell you there's an opportunity to be involved with an, a new piece of E.K.R. Hamill's um, I have my graduation recital <laughs> next year, um, in November, actually. Um, and so, so part of that is um, EKR and I are going to be doing a consortium for a new piece, which is very exciting. Um, and it's going to be for 10 wins. So that's 
two flutes, two oboes, two clarinets, two bassoons, and two horns. So it's kind of a double uh, wind quintet. Yeah, beautiful. And um, yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be four minutes. And you can be involved with it if you want to help out with that. Um, So the buy-in for this piece is going to be $150. That's not too bad. Not too bad For a new piece from a a trusted friend and composer of the Bandroom podcast. Mm -hmm. Just remind yourselves, you hear his music every single week. (laughs) um so anyway so if you want more information about this um you can contact me at dylan at bandroompod.com if you uh want some more information um it will be premiered in november by me and the asu chamberwinds but it's going to be a cool thing and i hope that you can take part yeah because we talked about consortiums today with our guests too we did, yeah, and I highly recommend anybody who's who's listening to get in touch with Dylan about this opportunity because it's just, I mean, this is a really cool instrumentation. I think there's a lot of people who will find it useful to have a new piece in the repertoire for that kind of instrumentation, mm-hmm. um, but it's just, it's so much fun to be part of the creation of a new piece, you know? I mean, I'm on usually on the other side of that as the person who's creating the new piece, but I thoroughly enjoy those kinds of collaborations. And if you've, if you haven't done that kind of thing before, highly recommend it. It's a, it's a fulfilling Mm -hmm. experience for all involved, I think. Absolutely. And I should say it's going to be around a, a, what we know as a grade five. So he's, it's, he's free to do what he wants, which is a composer's dream, but it's going to be great. (laughs) composer's dream yeah. so it's but it's gonna be four minutes it's gonna be fun um and and as i mentioned before uh, with today's guest we were talking about consortiums because our guest had a big old consortium uh, not a consortium a commission a sole commission mm-hmm. um by past brp guest john Mackey, and that is award-winning music educator i joked trombonist extraordinaire in the <laughs> bonus episode <laughs> mr jonathan grantham from amador valley high school in california it was such a treat to be joined uh, and hang out with him this morning um, and i'm really grateful that he could take a saturday morning from his busy schedule to be with us mm-hmm. but um wow i the, one of my favorite interviews that we've done truly yeah i know it's hard to hard to pick favorites sometimes people ask us questions like that and it's mm-hmm. always really hard to pick but um the ones that are the most enjoyable for, for us and for our guests, I think it's kind of easy to tell as a listener, I imagine, um, you know, that this conversation was like a really fun time and um, mm-hmm. a nice experience. Yeah, I'm so thankful to Jonathan um, for his willingness to share parts of his own personal story and allow us all to be inspired by his journey. Um, I, I won't give away too much because I think you all should just, you know, we should move through this in- intro so that you can all just get to listening to it but um he's he's somebody that i've had the opportunity to collaborate with before he his wonderful band performed my piece autumn at midwest Mm -hmm. in 2019 um, making it my midwest debut so it was really nice uh, to have a chance to reconnect with him and uh, hear more about his story it was awesome yeah and all i'll say about it was I won't even give any information, but it's just, it's refreshing and, and it puts you at ease when you talk with someone who's just themselves and, and, you know, there's no kind of pressure from outside. Well, there has been, as we talked about in the episode, but, you know, getting to that point where you, you, you are comfortable with who you are Mm -hmm. and, and the way that you teach and how you inspire, um, inspired, inspired me for sure. And I know that hopefully you'll find something, uh, in this episode. I know you will, Mm -hmm. uh, for yourself. Yeah. But... Before we do that, Kate, 
What could you, what could everyone do for us? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, if you could make sure that you've subscribed to the Van Room podcast uh, on whatever social media platforms, podcast listening platforms that you use, um, that would be awesome. And if you're willing to take the extra moment to leave us a rating and or a review, it would be really helpful. That kind of thing helps more people find the podcast. It shows our episodes to more people. And that is really, really helpful for us as we try to grow our audience and our community. Uh, so do take a moment to do that if you haven't already. Uh, and if you have already, thank you so much for doing your part to spread the word. It really does come back to help us a lot. And speaking of helping us a lot, there is one more thing that you could do um, mm -hmm. to support the podcast as well. There sure is. Um, and I should say that this week we've had two new additions Yay! to our wonderful Patreon community, which is a way that you can help contribute to our uh, Bandroom podcast. If you got a couple extra pennies in your pocket, we would appreciate them greatly. And those two people who have joined our Patreon community are none other than Dr. Jackie Dawson from the University of Manitoba. Welcome, Jackie. And thank you for not only contributing to Patreon, but also to the podcast because mm. she's a past guest, yeah. wonderful past guest. Um, and then none other than today's guest, Jonathan Grantham. He was so enthralled and <laughs> enthralled is not the right word. He was so excited about our conversation mm -hmm. that after he just said, you know what? I got to go. I got to go help. I got to go help. So um, I already got an email that Jonathan Grantham <laughs> is a new patron of That's the Bandroom awesome. Podcast. So if you want to join this fine company of people, mm -hmm. you can do that by checking out patreon.com slash bandroompod. That's patreon.com slash bandroompod for more to hear bonus episodes and many other treats and and things that you can mm -hmm. that you can get from becoming a patron of the podcast. But without further ado, here is our conversation with Jonathan Grantham. So here we are for another very exciting episode of the Band Room Podcast. And for this episode, we are so fortunate to be joined by an award-winning music educator and director of bands at Amador Valley High School in California, <laughs> Jonathan Grantham. Welcome to the Band Room, Jonathan. Oh my gosh, I am so excited to be here. I've been a big fan of uh, this podcast and your work. For a long time so to have made the cut feels very exciting <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> no thank you so much me? for agreeing to do this we're really looking forward to learning more about you and sharing your stories with our listeners so we'll start where we always start um could you tell us where why and how did your musical journey begin yeah so my mom uh, was very involved in her high school band program back in the 60s. And while she didn't go on to pursue music, and she actually didn't um, continue playing her flute, she had so many fond memories of that time that when we got information on joining band going into the sixth grade, she just very lovingly encouraged me. Um, my mom actually both of my parents, they were, they were not big micromanagers. They weren't super heavy into like, you will do these things. She just shared, Hey, whatever kind of things you might enjoy about music, here's what I liked about it. And I also happened to have some friends that were, were doing it. So that was kind of the entry point into me beginning band, uh, back in middle school and uh, picking up the trombone. And then 
of course, kind of social reasons. You stay, you know, why, you know, why does any teenager stay with something? And, and for me, of course, I enjoyed making music, but it was like the friends and the things that we did alongside of that. And then that changed quite a bit in my sophomore year of high school when we hired a new band director for our school district. I grew up in a small rural farming community in the middle of Michigan. Um, so a small town and they hired a new teacher who really re-energized and reinvigorated uh, the music program at my school and kind of turned my world upside down in the best way possible. And I decided in my sophomore year of high school that I wanted to be a high school band director. And that was in 1991 and have not really deviated from that path since. <laughs> so I really credit my mom um, in opening the door to me, uh, starting as a musician. And then I credit Mr. Parker, Bob Parker, my high school band teacher, for uh, leading me uh, across the next threshold into this thing I've been doing now for most of my adult life. And like, how, what, what was it uh, kind of after that, that moment that you decided where or, or what you were going to study? When I reflect back on that time with Mr. Parker, and it's funny, like, you know, I still keep in touch with him and he, he always is asking me if I'll just ever call him Bob. And I said, no, <laughs> I'm almost 48 years old. You will always be Mr. Parker. Um, that um, I just, I, uh, I am so humble and, and grateful uh, for the gift of his generosity. Um, I like to think that he kind of took the ceiling off of so many of our lives and let us see this bigger world than what we saw right in front of us. And, um, I just loved how he made me feel every day at school. Um, he made all of us feel seen and heard and excited and brought joy to our day and brought us together as a group. And I thought, well, I want to do this. Like, I like how this feels. I want to be able to do that. And, um, and so for me, it was kind of this, it was this feeling that was very tangible for me. And, you know, one of the reasons I love working with teenagers is because, they have big feelings and they're unafraid to express them. <laughs> and, uh, and so as a teenager at that time, I was just hooked and I thought, Oh my gosh, I want to be able to do this. And, uh, yeah, like I said, just never really deviated from that path because I, I just continued to find, um, kind of more and more joy and satisfaction as the process went through my undergrad and then my first job and then my current job. Very cool. Um, and now a word from our sponsor. You know, Kate, I often think back to my time at Music Camp and how important that time was not only in my growth as a musician, but as a person. I feel the same way. My first time performing original music in front of a big audience was at a Music Camp, and many of the people I met at camp are still friends and colleagues of mine today. 2022 marks the 60th anniversary of the Interprovincial Music Camp. That's right. 60 years of being Canada's most comprehensive music camp. IMC offers specialized camps for all levels of band, orchestra, choir, musical theater, rock, jazz, and songwriting. Students can learn from faculty that include members of major symphony orchestras, Juno and Grammy Award winners, touring musicians, and music educators. Also, new this year is IMC's beginning band camp, open to campers ages 9 to 14. Located at the beautiful Camp Manitou on Manitowabing Lake, located in the heart of Muskoka Perry Sound region of Ontario, Canada, IMC facilities are second to none. With fully equipped cabins, outstanding meals with one of the chefs dedicated to preparing meals for those with specific dietary needs. 
IMC is unique in that it is centered around music, but also offers a true camp experience, including traditional activities such as swimming, sailing, water skiing, beach volleyball, and much more, as well as evening programs for the campers each night after the faculty concert. IMC provides young musicians with comprehensive and exceptional musical training with faculty members who are some of Canada's finest performers and educators some of which include past bandroom guest, conductor, clinician, and educator Colin Clark, Dr. Colleen Richardson from Western University, Dominic Desotel, Principal Clarinet of the Canadian Opera Company, Sarah Jeffrey, Principal Oboe of the Toronto Symphony, and Vanessa Freilich, Associate Principal Trombone of the Toronto Symphony. They all bring a wealth of teaching experience and performing skills and are passionate about sharing their love of music with young musicians. Don't miss the opportunity to grow, be inspired, have fun, and make memories that will last a lifetime. Stay connected by following them on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at imc.ca. That's imc.ca. To learn more about how you or someone you know can celebrate 60 years of the Interprovincial Music Camp, visit campimc.ca. That's campimc.ca. One thing, uh, we'll, we'll talk more about that that path, that as we've talked every week, we, we will begin to realize it's not as straight as everyone <laughs> might think. Yeah, uh, yeah. But um, you said you were a fan of the podcast, <laughs> and, and that's very nice to hear. But let me tell you, sir, that uh, <laughs> I it's, it's, it's such a, a great um, joy to be able to talk to you because I've heard so much about you. And uh, not only from uh, someone we're about to talk about, John Mackey sings your praises anytime <laughs> I talk to him. Um, but I share an office with a past California Band Association president, Phil Vallejo. And he, he yeah, I know, right? That is. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so he's always, he's for weeks, and this is mostly for Phil, for weeks he's been like, when, <laughs> when is Jonathan going to be on? Just don't tell me. Because he wanted, he wanted to come in my background and just stand there. <laughs> Not say anything, just stand there. But anyways. Yeah, no, that, that tracks. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so anyway, so it's such a treat to be able to, uh, to talk to you today. Um, since we were talking about high school and um, congratulations, it's been a couple of weeks now, but on your 20th anniversary at Amara Valley High School and and to mark that momentous occasion, um, John Mackey, one of our past BRP guests, was commissioned to write a new piece. So could you tell us about about that experience and maybe some of you some some of the 20 years at Amador. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'll try to, I'll try to be succinct. Yeah. Um, just wave vigorously. It yeah. seems like uh, I've gone off the rails here. Yeah. Um, the process was incredible and, um, you know, I've, I've had opportunity to work with composers in the past, present company included Kate, uh, <laughs> but have never been part of a commission specifically for, uh, certainly not, not just for myself, but for the band program, I've done some co-commissions and mm -hmm. I've done some consortiums, but this was unique in that it was a gift uh, to me and my students for my 20th anniversary. And, um, and so that was incredible. And it's just, it's worth a, a, a kind of a funny kind of memory about how this all started is my, my former colleague, Pat Dandria, who now is the head director at the middle school that feeds into Amador. Um, he was pivotal with our boosters and a group of alumni and getting the getting the commission together, getting it funded, getting it going. And something he knew is that so often these gifts are presented 
after the fact. They're presented like, we did this thing for you. Here is this piece. Please sit back and enjoy. Right. But what Pat knew in working with me for five years is that the joy for me is not in the presentation. It's in the process. It's getting mm. to make the music together. And so he knew how much I would love that. And that was built into the commission was that it was something I got to do with the students, which was really special. Um, and how I was presented the commission was uh, he got me on a Zoom because we were still in remote learning at the point at which this was launched or presented to me. I got on a Zoom and he got me on the Zoom to under the auspices of our drum majors needing to have a talk with us, like something serious was going on with the marching band leadership team. And I was like, Oh, oh no, no. Uh, like we're like looking forward to like a more normal year going into fall 2021. Mm -hmm. What could be happening? So I'm on the, the meeting with Pat for a few minutes. And then he said, okay, I was like, where are the drum majors? They're never late. It's like 12 minutes after what's going on. And he said, okay, I have to tell you, you're not here for a meeting. Um, and then he explained the setup. And then John mm -hmm. Mackey appears on the Zoom screen. And <laughs> and I like just, I let out several um, excited expletives. And then was like, oh, wait a minute. Is this being like broadcast live on YouTube right now? Because that would be like a peak like band parent thing to do. Like we want the whole yeah. world to see the surprise. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> so that was kind of an amazing start to that 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 journey um and uh, the the beginning of that the the process itself i mean obviously most of that laid with john in mm -hmm. getting the piece composed um he dropped in uh, at a couple points early on around possible titles um i let him know what i was going to be programming on the concert so he could kind of get a sense of like what lane the piece might fit into in terms of the overall, the overall program um and shared with him a few kind of descriptors around you know teaching and what what music making means to me and what ultimately resulted was a piece that if you go to his website he's got a blog post on it being the first piece he composed um while uh, after being diagnosed and medicated for adhd and how that um how that showed up in his compositional process he spoke a little bit about what the piece meant to him so I actually really kind of enjoyed that he didn't try to write a piece that was specifically like about capturing some element of my experience, but what he ended up doing because he's brilliant was exactly that. <laughs> um, and it felt, it felt really incredible to feel kind of seen and understood through music that was written uh, as a gift to me, but not explicitly for me. Mm -hmm. um, and it was really special. He came in, um, we sent a recording later in the process than he would have wanted. He was a little nervous, um, but we sent him a recording. He gave us some notes. He came in and did a 90 minute rehearsal with us. He happens to live in San Francisco and I, I teach in the suburban San Francisco region. So it was just serendipitous that he was so close. Mm -hmm. uh, so came out for a rehearsal. Um, kids were great. They loved getting to work with him. And then we um, of course did the concert and he was in attendance and and uh, it, was, it was a really special evening and an incredible process in the whole. That's wonderful. I'm wondering if, um, if the piece is available for others to program or if it's under any kind of exclusivity or anything like that. Can you tell us the title and maybe just if anyone's interested in checking it out? Yeah, the name of the composition is called A Deep Reverberation Fills with Stars. Someone jokingly commented when he posted the MIDI initially several weeks ago on Facebook that it was like Aurora Awakes Wiser Older Sister. <laughs> Which I, I love thought was that. Yeah, I, I just I and Aurora Awakes is, you know, it's a special piece to many band directors and, yeah. and students. Um and so I just thought that was a really, a really beautiful and apt description. And it is available. 
um, there was not any sort of like, I mean, I, I premiered it and that was yeah. the end of kind of like the, the limitations on that. And my understanding from John is that I think a group has um, pinged it to potentially play at Midwest next year. And, oh, great. Um, got a, I think a group in Japan, Japan lined up to play it here in the coming months. So mm-hmm. it is, uh, I, I don't know if it's on his website yet for, for purchase. I haven't checked, but, mm-hmm. um, but it is available to be programmed. Awesome. Very cool. And I don't know if this is like official or anything, but I did find a YouTube video of the premiere if anyone oh, wants nice. to check it out. So it, it, sounded it is. A, great. Yeah. I mean, it, those are endorsed recordings. Oh, okay, I, good. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I have a very, very active and, uh, and really, um, like the, the amateur parents and the students to some degree also like they, we, you could find pretty much anything we've ever done ever over the last like 15 to 17 years when YouTube just became <laughs> yeah. kind of the go-to. So yeah, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't get super precious about like things okay. being posted online. Well, especially with a band that is as great as your band. I, I, oh, I, I, I we're going to talk about this a lot, but like I thoroughly encourage people to go just, just YouTube <laughs> the, the name and, and you'll see lots, lots of great music being made um, for sure. Yeah, that's wonderful. And I, I remember, I don't know, seeing a Facebook post or something about uh, the commission before the piece existed, before the process began, but just that, that it was going to be happening. And I remember just feeling so excited about that collaboration because, um, I mean, you're such a fantastic, you know, educator and have made such an impact on so many so many people, so many communities. And then same with John Mackey is just like his music is so far reaching and to kind of see those worlds collide um, is, was just really exciting. So I'm so glad to, to hear that it was a positive experience and that it's, it's a piece now that so many other people are going to be able to interact with and, and benefit from, you know, the opportunity to work on it. So that's very, very exciting. Mm, yeah, it was, a, it yeah. was a really special process. I, I told the students that that night was a night I will always remember. And I just, I feel compelled to share because I've mentioned my mom, um, my mom passed away about a year ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, this ended up being, um, uh, a gentle tribute to her in some ways. Um, she was, as I mentioned uh, a bit ago, she was, uh, quite a fine flute player in high school. Her favorite piece of band music was Elsa's procession to the cathedral. Mm-hmm. And she also, uh, joked that she was saddled with playing the piccolo solo in stars and stripes forever, <laughs> uh, for three years of her high school band career. And so in addition to this piece, uh, that Mackie wrote for, my 20th anniversary, we also programmed Elsa's and Stars and Stripes as a, nice. as a tribute and a, a gesture of gratitude to my mom, um, my dad, and my one of my sisters. They uh, flew out from the Midwest for the premiere, um, and it was just a really it was a really joyful time of connection and celebration. That's great. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, we're gonna pivot a little bit here, um, but love we, a pivot. Yeah, <laughs> we. <laughs> We watched your uh, TEDx talk on YouTube from 2016, um, and we just think that what you shared was really powerful and would be relatable to a lot of the music community even now. Uh, I mean, 2016 wasn't that long ago, but a lot has changed and, and uh-huh. stayed the same, you know? So um, I think, yeah, I think a lot of what you shared would resonate. So um, what is, in quotes, the power of staying for you, could you give us a, a little, you know, you don't have to do your whole TED talk, but just yeah. a little synopsis on, <laughs> yeah. on, uh, on that story that you shared and, and some of, some of the lessons there. I gave that, that, that TEDx talk 
to all of the ninth graders at Amador, our school, for a number of years. I think they still do it. Everything's a little out of rotation uh, coming back post-remote mm-hmm. learning. Um, was presented to all of the ninth graders on our, our campus. And um, that TED Talk was woven with like little snippets of me playing like the trombone, like various mm-hmm. like pieces of music that were important to me. Um, and, uh, that reminds me of a funny story I might tell later. So I'll just bookmark <laughs> that, um, that, uh, in that TED talk, I, I really wanted to share my experience with these ninth graders. And it seems like it's resonated beyond uh, that cohort, uh, this idea that, um, there is power in staying because beyond those moments when you might want to call it quits beyond those moments, when you might want to give up, we sometimes, can push through and find uh, a bit of resilience and find uh, a breakthrough that we didn't know was possible. And one of the caveats I present at the end of the TED talk, which I think, you know, for anybody who's not going to go listen to it, um, is that it's nuanced because there is also value in knowing when to to step away from something that maybe isn't mm-hmm. serving you and that isn't healthy for you. And so for each individual, it's like such a personal choice But in working with young students, so often I would find that there was this, well, if I'm not the best at it, or if I I didn't get the chair or the placement, or I don't, I'm not going to do this for a living. And I'm not, you know, I mean, I like it, but I don't understand. Maybe I don't want to keep doing this. There's this need to kind of continually and in a very explicit and thoughtful way, guide young people to this understanding about what it means to stay in something through a challenging moment, through a bit of impasse, and particularly to working with teenagers, guiding them through what failures can look like and how there can be support and growth through failure and setback in a way that without minimizing what they're experiencing as high schoolers, it's 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 typically like some of those setbacks can be a bit more um, easy to navigate than the challenges they may face in their adult lives. And so the value of staying for me and the, and the kind of crux of that TED talk was this idea that dropping into the, the many points in my career as a trombonist and as a musician and as a teacher where I wanted to tap out. And, if, and in fact, a couple of times when I did tap out, but what it meant to come back and say, oh, wow, OK, I had more to give. I had more to learn. I had more to know and more to do. And now a word from our sponsor. It seems like almost every episode we talk about the importance of community. Often maybe our guests bring it up to why they became interested in band. Community is a big part of why many of us do what we do. Absolutely, and that's why I love our new partnership with the Canadian Band Association, to share an opportunity for you to be part of a national community of band directors, musicians, and educators. And becoming a member is easy. By joining your provincial band chapter, you automatically become a member of the Canadian Band Association. No matter if you're in British Columbia, Newfoundland and Labrador, or anywhere in between, there is a band association for you. Yes, even my homeland of Prince Edward Island. They started a new one, which is very exciting. Membership benefits include access 
to the Canadian Winds Journal, Monthly E-News, National Insurance Program, National Youth Band Audition Discounts for Students, access to national awards and musician certificates. Not to mention all the great events your own provincial chapters will hold. Conducting workshops, community band events, reading sessions, workshops, and more. Support band and music education in Canada through supporting the work being done by your local chapter. To learn more about how you can become a member of the Canadian Band Association, visit canadianband.org chapters to find info on how to connect with your provincial chapter. That's canadianband.org chapters to learn how you can be part of the Canadian Band community. I think it's important for us to you know, just kind of consider from a young age, but even like as adults now, it, it never gets old to be reminded that um, we all we all have the option to stay uh, or, as you said, to to let go of something if it's no longer serving us. But just you're right that so often we're letting go of things because it's like, oh, I don't know if I'm very good at this, but like maybe that's not the only reason to continue doing something. Maybe you love yeah. it and that's enough. Right. Um I bought a watercolor set yesterday because mm-hmm. like I just decided that like I wanted to do something for fun and I might not be very good at it and I might never do anything with it. But I think it's good to do things that are just that we just enjoy doing. Right. So it's yeah, it's important to to remember things like that. And I just I want like you've reminded me like I have taken up floral arranging in the last nice. several months for yeah. that very reason, um, it's something that brings me joy. There's, it's very tactile. There's aesthetic valuing. There's actually a lot of parallels to, to being a director or a conductor, and that you're making aesthetic choices. What does the balance mm-hmm. look like? What colors come to the front? What colors go to the back? Yeah. Um, what is balance? <laughs> what is asymmetry? Right. Symmetry. But it's not something I'm doing because I want to make a career out of it. It's not something I'm doing because I have aspirations other than it just brings me joy and beauty to be able to create Mm -hmm. something. And yeah, to your point about the watercolors, like, I mean, the literal permission to paint outside the lines, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. And this, this is like. Uh, especially resonant with me because I I also have you know a, a bit of this in my story and there was some hack of a guest last week who shared oh it was me um, but <laughs> um, but I um, I have a talk that I give called the F word turning failure into a vehicle for growth so to hear to hear someone as I've already said that I respect greatly and I think a lot of the country and if not North America <laughs> respects greatly as uh, one of the best high school um, one of the best band directors, not high school band directors, band directors, um, hear, hear how you've gone through uh, things and had moments of burnout is in, in, it's very inspiring to, to, to stay with it, as you've said. So, so thank you for, for sharing that. And uh, we'll make sure to link that to our episode uh, notes and all that fun stuff. You get to hear me play the trombone. Yes. I, I was Yay. actually, that was, that was the thing I was most mortified about in doing that <laughs> talk, knowing that it was going to be recorded was like, mm. oh my gosh, like my trombone playing. I, it's just like little, you know, 30 second snippets. But mm. um, I, 
uh, the, the playing held up. So I was like, all right, I'm okay yeah. with everybody seeing this. <laughs> I'm not going to be trolled yeah. for like not sounding good or playing out of tune or yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll be moved. Get ready, folks. Get ready. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Get ready. I thought it was a really nice um, format to have some, some performing in there as well. Like almost like a, you know, people give a lecture recital type of a thing where like there's mm-hmm. musical performance and then you're speaking about things. I think it just adds to, um, to the storytelling to actually have some of the musical interludes. I thought that was a creative way to, to approach it. Mm-hmm. And, and to be able to cover Whitney Houston and Ray Fon Williams <laughs> in the same, yeah. uh, it's a wide ranging, yeah. uh, you know, pivots. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> um, I had, I had, speaking of pivots, I had a great one and then I lost it now. Um, Sorry, Dylan. <laughs> oh, I was speaking of being moved. There we go. Um, this this year, one of the most impactful books that I've been able to read has been The Horizon Leans Forward that's been compiled by our friend Eric Lung. Um, and and you contributed to that. So I was wondering if, if you could tell us about your contributions to that fine book. Yeah, it, what an honor to be a part of that project. Um, I got brought into the project by Dr. Rob Taylor. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's a, a friend and, and, and colleague and I think he was the point person for the submissions from LGBTQ Mm -hmm. uh, conductors. And so he reached out to me and interviewed me. And um, just as a kind of funny aside, I I remember uh, having a lengthy conversation with him and, and then kind of writing out what I, you know, just giving a fully fleshed out kind of draft of what I wanted to share. And then, said, this is maybe too long, so feel free to like cut whatever you need. And when I got the book, I was like, oh, you used the whole thing. <laughs> you didn't cut anything. And and I, I didn't, you know, I, everything that, that I shared, I was okay with being, mm-hmm. being in the book, but I was, um, the book is robust. Like yeah. I, mm-hmm. I was so impressed by how thorough and thoughtful the book was and, and necessary. And there has been such an incredibly uh, accelerated conversation in our field over the last several years around representation and inclusion and mm. not tokenizing through those lenses. And um, and so this book kind of really met that moment so beautifully. Um, and so I identify as a gay uh, as a gay man and and I'm out as a teacher and, and fully open and visible to my community and my students. That was not always the case. I started mm-hmm. teaching in um, 1999 in a small uh, town uh, in my home state and um, actually left that job after two years. Uh, my kids were great. I always feel like I want to make sure it's clear that my students were awesome and I was not out at that point as a teacher. I was barely out in my personal life and um, just really faced um, some harassment and some bullying as a teacher from other students on the campus that I wasn't in front of. Mm-hmm. And it just became untenable. And, and I left the field for a year as a result of that. Um, and over the course of being in the Bay Area, in, uh, in San Francisco Bay Area and being at Amador Valley for 20 years, which is only the second job I've had in my career. Okay. I really grew up and and came out more fully as an educator um, in a very slow and, and kind of uh, careful and, and thoughtful process because that was the timeline I was on. And so to be able to speak about that in, in this book um, and to really acknowledge like the shoulders that I have stood on and hopefully the the foundation that um, my generation of, of LGBTQ educators are able to provide for younger teachers 
for it to just perhaps be a bit more normalized. Um, between the book and um, and my blog, the number of young queer teachers that have reached out to me and have just said, thank you, or this, this means more than you can know. To me, like it makes my heart um, just so happy. I get a little emotional thinking about the fact that like, I would have given just about anything to know that that was possible when I was 24 or 25. Mm -hmm. And certainly the social, the social tides have shifted um, in some pretty important ways. And being able to have a voice captured in that book was um, just, it was a real honor, especially considering some of the other people in the book. I was like, <laughs> oh, I'm sitting at the big kids table. This is really cool. Oh, <laughs> You're a big stop. kid too. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Yeah, and I I have I have to tell you before you leave. Um I saw um Rob in Washington for the CBDNA um regional and I must <laughs> I must have hugged him and thanked him probably three times that those two days um for that chapter because um I had never in my life read about someone who was like me. So I just want to thank you and all the other contributors for for that work because it was uh, you can add me to your list of of music educators that you've that you've inspired. So thank you. You're welcome. And and I think um, you know the the power of sharing our stories is so valuable because mm -hmm. they you never know how they're reaching and 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 I'm inspired and moved by stories mm -hmm. uh, because we need I don't know and and there's this piece too like I, I talk. I talk, I think, I don't remember if I mentioned this in, in my submission, but the value of representation and visibility is, is multifaceted and it, it is powerful and valuable because I'll just use my specific frame of reference, um, as a, as a gay teacher for the, the queer and trans students that I teach, whether they're out or questioning or not out yet there is an anchor there to say, okay, like I, I can see a little farther down mm -hmm. that like, I can see what, what my life might look like. But at any given moment in my classroom, that might be, you know, 15 to 20% of the students. Mm -hmm. And so the other 80 to 85% of the students are also benefiting from the modeling and the representation because they're taking with them an example of somebody who comes with a different life viewpoint. And I'll just wrap up by saying, and as a teacher, I teach in a, in a majority non-white school. Mm -hmm. I also learn a tremendous amount every day being, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, most of my students don't look like me. Right. And so being, being in a position to also be open to learning from the experiences of my students is incredibly powerful. So mm -hmm. it goes both ways. Yeah. No, that's great. And I, I think often we, as educators, we forget especially as band teachers forget how how trusted we are uh-huh and like i remember when i was when i was teaching at the junior college i've had students come up to me like no one gets me none of the teachers get me understand and and in those moments just sharing i i i get you and mm -hmm. and and how important and i think impactful that was for them so and i can only imagine how many how many wonderful students that you've been able to impact um, during your 20 years there, not to mention the other schools too. So, um, so <laughs> oh, 20 years, it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's bizarre. I, yeah. Remember, uh, when I hit like 16 or 17, I, I had <laughs> a freshman close. boy who was like, you've been here longer than I've been alive. And I literally like, 
I like stopped mid and I like put my hands on my legs and started hyperventilating. I was like, okay, I, I just, I don't need to hear that again. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I've since calibrated. I've calibrated. We're mm-hmm. good. But okay. yeah, the first time I heard that I, I was definitely, uh, had the wind taken out of my sails for a moment. There's no, uh, convertible in the driveway or anything. No, no, my, my, my midlife crisis is manifested in, um, yoga, meditation and, um, and and healing work. (laughs) There you go. That's good. Yeah. There are worse things you could do. Uh, uh Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) So funny. Um, well, speaking of, you know, 20 year long history at, um, at your school as someone who has achieved, you know, really great success um, in this profession. We're wondering what is your definition of a successful band program? I know that's a pretty big question. Mm. You can take it in whichever direction you like. So this is where I feel so well grounded in my beliefs that I, I just believe that um, the people, the students come first. Um, I, I kind of talk to my student leaders about this idea of like people, then process, then product. Um, and if we prioritize our work in that order, that the relationships come first. And then through that, we have a robust, healthy and and trusted process to make music together. And then we're able at the end mm-hmm. to deliver a product of some sort, whether it's a competitive marching show or a jazz program or, you know, um, or a world premiere of a John Mackey piece, mm-hmm. that all of those things are the byproduct of the the two components that came before and so I will, I will speak loudly uh, for as long as I uh, continue in education to prioritize the culture of our classrooms and the value of the relationships within the culture of our classrooms and how intentional um, and how clear we can and need to be with our students about the trust that we build with them every day. And so for me, what has defined success has been all of the external factors, you know, Midwest performances, state conference performances, you know, all of the data points that like, even I like to plug out because they're easy for people to digest. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you are quote unquote successful because you've done all yeah. of these things. I've gone after those things. I, I don't reject that. I, I lean into and embrace that. But I'm very front facing and saying, if you spend a moment in my classroom, you will understand that the truth of the success is rooted in the value of the relationships that there Mm -hmm. is a love and a care and that there's um, there's a back and forth that exists in that relationship, that it's not one-sided, that it is, it is not transactional. Mm -hmm. And so because there is such trust, you know, I've been told by Rob is somebody who shared this and other conductors who've been in to work with the kids who will just say, there's something different with you and your students when you make music together and I, I just am so honored when I hear that because it means that, that that X factor is actually not an X factor. It is completely by design. It is completely intentional. And so all of these successes that we've enjoyed have been the byproduct of putting relationships first. Mm-hmm. And as the longer that I've taught, the more intentional that's gotten. It's always been important mm-hmm. to me. I didn't have like this huge paradigm shift, but I've just gotten more deeply rooted in kind of the, the trunk of that belief system. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can confirm that um, that <laughs> X factor is there. You know, like so I I only had about ten minutes or so to um, interact. Wasn't with long your enough. Group. <laughs> no, uh, and, and we'll we'll have another chance someday, I'm sure. But yeah. Um, yeah, at that time it was it was 
at Midwest 2019, and that was the first time that I ever had a piece performed at Midwest. I'd had a couple in, in reading sessions and things like that, but this was the first, like, you know, actual performance. Um, and, and I was excited and I was nervous and I didn't know what to expect. And I just went into that rehearsal room and I immediately felt welcome. I felt mm. at ease and it wasn't the room. It was the people in the room that did that. Right. And there was this obvious shift of energy and I'm a person that really picks up on the energy of a space, um, more so than than others sometimes. And in this case, I felt like, wow, something is up here. Like something, <laughs> something magical is happening. Um, and it's it's really nice to hear you talk about how intentional that is because the impact is definitely there. Whether it's people who are in that room every day or guests who have five or 10 minutes to spend in that community, even I'm sure in a remote way, um, having guests come in or, or people watching your performances, you can tell that there's, you know, that there's something going on there that is good. Um, and I think it's, it just sets such a good example for anyone listening who's an educator, you know, to prioritize those relationships. Dylan loves when we can get a good like piece of advice on a t-shirt. I feel like <laughs> this people process product thing could easily be some sort of fun graphic to put on a poster for a classroom wall or something like that. I think it's just such a good reminder to um, to approach it that way. And so often uh, as band directors in under the pressure of performances and, um, you know, performance performances all bring their own stresses with them. Um, but uh, I, you know, the couple times we've gone to Midwest or getting ready to perform at the state conference, like, things that have felt very high pressure, very, very clear with the students from the jump. I want our relationship to be better and whole because of this time together. I mm -hmm. don't want to jeopardize the the relationship that we have as an ensemble through the pressure and stress of needing to get ready for X, Y, or Z. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and again, as teachers, we just have to continue to be really, really clear with our students about that priority. Um, I think yeah. when it's an intentional and when it's overt, it will support the actions and the words, but you know, we all need to hear things over and over again, but especially um, I've been, uh, it's been shared with me by a mentor of mine that we are professional reminders. And so we just, <laughs> we have to be okay to remind our students over and over again mm -hmm. about hand position, embouchure, rhythm, tuning, but also the culture in our classroom. And that's mm -hmm. not, that's something we have to keep reminding them about because it's that important. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I get, I get excited for interviews, pretty much anytime we have an interview, but I just need to say this and don't take this the wrong way. But Jonathan, I feel like, I feel like you're my teaching soulmate. It's just like, anytime you talk, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And <laughs> uh, just that the, the idea, cause it, it's just, I always, I think like this and I think other people should think like this, which is a problematic thought sometimes. Um, but um, you know, when you go as an adjudicator, when I go to competition and things, and I get to watch other band teachers talk and work with their bands. I'm like, oh, this is not the case. Um, sometimes there's some really kind of unhealthy things happening in the room. And I know that feeling that that you're talking about when and to have that praise from from composers or conductors that come work with your group. I know uh, at that CBNA where I was with with Rob, um, Steve Myers group from the University of Northern Arizona was there. And it's the same thing. There's just such uh, an investment into the community first 
that is just so uplifting and it makes everyone in the room feel better. Um, and it's, it's amazing. But this was, um, this was my question because I, I find it so interesting and I'm in a place now that I can do research on it. So I'm actually mm. in, very interested in this. What is our definition of success? And does it have to be this, this, and this? And I love how you, you kind of tied it all together and, and it doesn't have to be like, you know, not Midwest or whatever. Um, right, right. <laughs> kind of those things. But to understand that's like, uh, you're doing it for intentional reasons and the right reasons and you're telling your students those things I think is really, really important. Um, and also I just love the, I love the idea of, um, your program as an example of just a program that's such high quality, but there's more than one way to get to that quality. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be through inspiration through fear, um, but can be uplifting (laughs) and and you can love those people Mm -hmm. to greatness. (laughs) Yeah. And, and I think just very briefly on the flip side of that, I think there is oftentimes a belief that this kind of very affective domain of relationships and feelings and um, that that can come at the the compromise of a level of quality in the music yeah. making. Yeah. And I just, I believe that you can have both. It is possible. Yeah. Yep. Beautiful. And um, sad. I'm so sad right now. We're at, the la- <laughs> we're at the last official question of the, <laughs> of this main episode, but I will remind um, you fine listeners out there that the three of us are going off to bonus episode land where you can join us in bonus episode land if you become a patron of the Bandroom podcast and you can learn more about that by visiting patreon.com slash Bandroom pod to hear Jonathan's fine episode and many, many others, especially last week's. Wow. What an episode. (laughs) You want to hear Michael Colgrass dirty jokes? That's the place to be. Um, Wow. Hot take. Hot take. (laughs) Hot take. (laughs) Anyway, so Jonathan Grantham, if you could give one piece of advice to music educators or musicians in general, what would it be? And it can be more than one piece of advice. It's wow. That so you know you've prepared me with a little bit of a preview of all of the questions, and I read it. I read all of them and kind of considered them. And um, <laughs> this one has has me a little bit speechless. And and so <laughs> I, if I'm allowed, may I reframe the question a little bit? Um, yes. Only to say, what advice would I give myself? Um, because I feel like everybody's journey through um, music education is so specific. And perhaps mm-hmm. just by reflecting on the advice I would give myself, this might reach some other people. Because I, I'm a little nervous to think like, what could I offer to all music educators that might be <laughs> sure. a, a bit, you know? <laughs> but, but but the advice I would give myself is, you are strong enough, and you are capable enough, and people believe in you more than you believe in yourself. So just keep going, and that's the advice I would give myself if I could go back to 1999. <laughs> and I'll uh, just put my arm around uh, that uh, closeted and uh, ambitious, but a little bit scared, eh, a whole lot scared uh, young <laughs> teacher. And uh, mm-hmm. just let him know that um, he has the trust, love and belief of more people than he suspects. And I think for any of your listeners um, and those moments of struggle in and out of the classroom, you probably could also trust that you have the love, the respect and the care of more people than you know. Oh, beautiful. What a beautiful yeah. end. Thank you so, so much for for joining us on this adventure and uh, for sharing your story, for for being vulnerable and and being honest. And and it was just it was a great chat. So thank you so much for joining us in the band room. 
I'm uh, I'm so thankful for the invitations. This is actually a lot of fun. I feel like I'm hanging out with <laughs> oh, friends having coffee. So there you, you also set such a great space. So thank you for the invitation. Thanks so much for spending time with us in the band room. If you want to learn more about anything we discussed in today's episode, check out the links found on our website, bandroompod.com. If you liked what you heard, make sure to subscribe to the Bandroom Podcast. Give us a rating and a review and tell all your friends about how much you enjoyed it. If you really love the show, maybe you should consider becoming part of our Patreon community where you can support BRP and get some extra incentives in return. Or you can buy some sweet, sweet BRP merch helping to offset podcast hosting costs and investments into new equipment so that we can continue to bring you great content and great people. Follow us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube to keep up with what's on the go. If you have any thoughts on today's episode, leave us a comment on our website, bandroompod.com, where your comment might be featured on a future episode of BRP. Our theme music is Skyline, composed by EKR Hamill and performed by Dr. Gillian McKay and the University of Toronto Wind Ensemble. Stay safe and be well, bandies. Thanks again for stopping by the band room. Thank you.